from the traditional and ancestral lands of the Wasanich people, bordering on the land of the Lekwungen people. I'm Michelle Seeley, and this is Amazing Places. Today, I'm really happy to welcome Jess Gibbard from transvoicecoach.com to Amazing Places podcast. I have, well, let's just say, welcome, Jess. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, great to have you. And it's kind of neat. Full disclosure here, I've watched you grow up a little off and on over the years. It's been a few years. And now you're like an adult. And it's, uh, it's really neat to have you here and be able to talk to you. Yeah, no, it's really fantastic to be here. And yeah, really cool to just reconnect after all those years of kind of intermittent mingling of our lives. Exactly. Our paths have crossed a few times. Well, and today you're here. So let's talk. What is transvoicecoach.com and yeah, what do you so do and how do you get, do you get into this? Yeah, no. So transvoicecoach.com is my business. As the name suggests, that's where I teach trans voice. Um, I kind of got into it very forcefully. I had to train my own voice as I'm a trans woman. And so having to go through the trials and tribulations of relearning how to speak myself, I found it to be incredibly difficult. There was an immense barrier towards getting trans voice coaching when I first started as well. Most other coaches are prohibitively expensive. We're talking about the realm of like 200 to $400 an hour for coaching sessions, which is ludicrous. It's, it's untenable, especially when you consider the amount of money that most trans people are already making. We're in a marginalized group. We make less money to begin with. A lot of trans people are on disability and stuff like that. So it's really not an accessible medium. And so I had to teach myself how to do this. I taught myself how to, to redo my own voice. And then I realized afterwards, it was like, it doesn't make any sense for me to stop here. You know, there's tons of other people who are in the exact position that I was in. I've always wanted my life to be about helping other people as best I can. Mm -hmm. And this is the perfect opportunity. And so I started the business as a way to provide affordable trans healthcare. I charge as little as I possibly can for the lessons and I provide probably about an equal number of free lessons that I do paid lessons. In a perfect world, all of them would be free. But right. fortunately, I do need to put food on my own plate. <laughs> of course. So what's the process for someone like to contact you and how does that process work? Yeah, it's really straightforward. If you just go to the website at transvoicecoach.com, there is a section called Contact Us. And there's another section called Book a Lesson. Those would be the two best spots to reach out from. Either if you're just looking immediately to start booking a lesson, go to the Book a Lesson page. And if you're looking to just reach out, if you have questions or concerns, the Contact Us page is probably the better option of the two. My email address is jess.gibbard at transvoicecoach.com, uh, J-E-S-S dot G-I-B-B-A-R-D at transvoicecoach.com. Um, so if you want to just skip the website and go right to contact me, that'd probably be the best way. Okay, super. I'm wondering, you have a beautiful sounding voice. <laughs> Maybe Thank I you. should sign up. <laughs> you know, you say that. I've actually had a few cis people sign up just because yeah. they were looking to either make their voice 
less feminine or less masculine. You know, I've had a couple non-binary people sign up as well for similar reasons, just trying to make their voices more androgynous. Mm. Um, but it's really interesting the the kind of perception that people have about their own voice, like having this sort of disconnect between what you sound like and who you are is not an innately trans experience. It's something that anyone can have. And right. it's so unfortunate that, you know, people experience that and don't have the resources to try and correct that. Mm -hmm. Is that something you foresee in the future is laddering off this into assisting other people who for a variety of reasons might want to change the sound of their voice or their accent or lack of an accent or help actors learn how to sound like a, a different person? Oh, absolutely. I would love to. Currently, I only teach gendered voice work. Majority of the clients are trans, but I do have, like I said, some cis clients as well. But gendered voice work is kind of all I currently do. That being said, I am also currently studying with a Bachelor of Science in Linguistics, trying to get that. And then once I do get that, I'm going to be studying for a master's degree in speech language pathology. So absolutely in the future, I would love to be branching out and helping as many people as I possibly can with voice, be it with work with like vocal recovery for people who've suffered injury, people who have speech impediments and trying to overcome that, accent reduction for people who might want to be looking for something like that. And then voice acting too. All of those are things that I would love to be able to start teaching, but I just don't have the the necessary skills and resources for those just quite yet. Just not yet. But it is on the horizon. Wonderful. That's amazing. It doesn't surprise me having known you over the years that, you know, your goal is to help people and, and help as many people as you can. That sounds about like Jess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it comes from my mom, I think. <laughs> Yes, I imagine it does. <laughs> we all have to give credit to our moms at some point, right? Oh, absolutely, but, yeah. But you have a very special one, so definitely. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So starting as you are now, but it seems like there's a whole world of potential out there for you, like pretty oh. much limitless in what you can do and absolutely. how you can help. There's a ton of, of work that I could be doing that I would love to be doing too, but you know, got to start somewhere and this is the perfect place to start from you right. know it's, it's close to home for me as a trans woman you know being able to help other people within my community and just having this experience it's been life-changing having mm -hmm. to go through the the motions of this and relearning my own voice and starting to teach other people it's 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 really incredible so affirming to myself as well as just I can't really describe it. It's it's just really nice knowing that I'm helping other people reach the same place that I've gotten to. Mm -hmm. That peace and success and that. Absolutely, and, yeah. yeah. I guess it must be amazing too for other people to find that similarity that they're seeking or that they maybe hoped for or didn't even imagine that they knew or wanted and, and now mm. they're able to access that in, in a very yeah, reasonable no. way. How is the program delivered? Like, do you do this in person or is it over the internet or how? It is over Zoom for the majority of my clients. I do a couple okay. lessons over Discord as well, but the vast majority is over Zoom. Um, I don't actually do any in-person sessions, a couple of reasons. One, I don't have an office, right? And I'm 
doing the Zoom call out of my bedroom in the basement. So <laughs> okay. I really want to be inviting a ton of people into my basement and my bedroom during COVID. Right. Um, or just in general, you know, it's not really the, the best setting for person to person, like face to face no. type of teaching. No. Eventually, I'd love to be able to do in person, but it also is just a matter of cost, right? The majority of my clients are off of the island and probably about half of them don't even live in Canada. Uh -huh. So doing in person doesn't really make sense when I'd be looking at the cost of renting a space as opposed to just having Zoom. And it's not like I need to see a client to discuss this. Voice is really nice in that I could be doing this completely video free and being able to deliver you know, basically the exact same content. The only difference would be that the quality might not appear to be quite the same. The video really does help make it more personal. And that's something that is fantastic that Zoom's able to help with, same with Discord. But yeah, that's how I deliver pretty much all of the lessons. I deliver them in 30 and 60 minute blocks of time. The 30 minute lessons cost $30 and the 60 minute lessons cost $50. So compared to those costs I'd mentioned earlier, the 200 to mm -hmm. 400 an hour, it's a lot less. And then like I'd also mentioned, a lot of the lessons I do are also free for, you know, people who are low income or just can't afford them. I don't want to have to turn away anybody. Right. Because everyone deserves to have this, you know, feeling of safety and comfort with their own voice. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So what does a lesson sound like? Is it like a lot of back and forth practice or is it you teaching and how does that work? Yeah, so lessons typically depends on what I'm teaching because there's a whole myriad of things that go into voice coaching for this. But typically what would happen is I would slowly guide the client through the process. So I'd start by, you know, just talking briefly about what we're about to do, try and give an overview of what the exact goal is. And then I would start to break it down into chunks, take it piece by piece and run through each of those pieces, probably about two or three times with them, just to make sure that they really understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. And then once they're at that place where they're more comfortable with it, start putting it all together. If I were to give an example of one exercise, this is the, the biggest exercise that I teach. It's uh, called a, a whisper siren. And what it is, is that you remove the sound of phonation from your, your voice. So you just end up with a whisper like that. The reason that you do that is that you can hear what we call resonance exclusively when you use a whisper, when you use a whisper tone. Resonance is kind of like the characteristic sound of your voice. So like if I were to keep my pitch flatlined, keep it the exact same that it's currently at, but drop my resonance, then it would start to sound more like this. So the pitch is still the same, right? This is the same pitch that it was before, but the resonance is a lot darker. Um, so now it has a bit of a lower tone to it. And then if I bring the resonance back up, now it sounds like this again. And it's back to that high resonance place, back to that high resonance space, but it's also, you know, still the same pitch, nothing else has changed. And so when you start doing whispering, you can control that a lot quicker than trying to talk like this, right? Most people can't do that, at least uh -huh. not immediately. <laughs> but when you're whispering, you can talk like that. 
really quickly, right? Like, you've got this innate understanding of how you can move your pitch around when whispering. So oh, it's usually wow. a lot easier to get people to, to start piecing it together through whispering since you're removing that pitch entirely. You can just hear the sound of your vocal chamber in action. Oh, that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's really cool. The science well, of our voice, eh? Oh, it's it's incredible. Like, I always loved the sciences, but I never realized that I would fall in love with this specific science, but I'm so glad that I did. Right. The rest of that exercise kind of in practice would be kind of like, usually I start the client off by trying to find the low and high whisper tones if they can. Um, so just asking them to try and create that kind of low sort of sound and then go to the other extreme and see if they can create that kind of sound. If they can't, then we break it down even further and try and do some mimicry exercises, try and get them to mimic the sound of like a dog panting, like a husky. It'd be kind of like, right? And a chihuahua, I'd be kind of like, see if they can mimic those. And then if they can, then try and get them to just hold it out and elongate it. The next step would be to try and get them to go from the low to the high or from the high to the low, depending on which way they're training. For sake of this demonstration, I will be doing the voice feminization version of it. So low to high. So I'd start them out. I'd start them out with their lower resonance like this. Um, they'd probably have like a thicker resonance too, like this to start. Um, so using like a voice tone like this. So I'd start them out right here and I would have them just kind of go like, oh. And then I'd have them bring it up like that. And I'd just have them repeat that process of rising that tone up about three times, like I said. Once they're comfortable with that, I'd then have them start trying to reintroduce phonation, reintroducing pitch into their voice. The way I'd do that is off of a ha tone. Because when you're already exhaling, you're producing the onset of an H. Ha. Ha. Right? So I'd have them kind of go through it like, kind of like that trying to reposition it they might not have that tone immediately it usually takes a lot of time because what's happening is the larynx is is rising up in the throat mm -hmm. as it's doing that and the larynx tends to try and move back down to its natural resting position so it can take a lot of time to build up the muscle memory for this it's kind of like working out and lifting weights right you can't just go right to bench pressing 250 you got to start with just the bar and work your way up mm -hmm. your poor larynx is trying to do the 250 press. yeah no it's it's a lot right off the bat um so it can take a while but it's it's something that is fully attainable by by anyone absolutely fascinating that whole area of voice and and how we're our voice is perceived and how we should change it and all this yeah. is just super fascinating and to watch your oh, face no, too it's... because you're not really changing it's just your voice your whole like i can see you on this zoom call listeners won't be able to but your your face doesn't really change at all but it's just your voice like yeah, that's no. incredible what happens is most of the stuff that's changing is all happening within my vocal tract right so the idea right. is that 
I, I can talk a, a brief bit about just why this is happening. So with voice, it's actually the exact same as any type of, of naturally occurring sound, right? When you produce a sound, you're not just producing one isolated tone, you're producing that baseline pitch, that fundamental pitch, and then you're producing a series of infinite overtones above it. We call that the harmonic series. And those overtones that you produce are what give your voice and what give other sounds in nature their inherent quality, the, the sounds that you can hear and make them identifiable and recognizable. An example that I like to use is the sound of an acoustic guitar versus the sound of a violin. They are both wooden instruments and they both have resonance chambers. They both have spots within the instruments that are hollowed out so that the sound can permeate and then amplify. But if they play the same pitch, they will sound different, right? Oh. If they're playing the exact same note, you can still tell which one is which. And the reason for that is because of the way those bodies are constructed, right? So if we've got, for example, that violin, it has a really small resonating chamber, right? It's a super tiny instrument. And so even if it's playing the same note as that acoustic guitar, it's going to sound brighter and it's going to sound higher pitched, yes. even if it's not. Right. And that acoustic guitar is going to sound darker and lower pitched again, even though it's not. And the human voice is the exact same way, right? The amount of air that we have in our vocal tract is what's going to determine the brightness of the voice. So the more air that we have within, the more space that there is for that sound to resonate, the darker the tone will be. And the less air that we have, the less resonating space we have in the cavity, the brighter the tone will be. So again, even if those pitches don't change, because of the difference in space, it's changing the perceived tone. It's changing that overtone, the resonance, those harmonics. And so that's kind of what's the whole the whole idea about this is is just trying to treat voice kind of like reshaping an instrument. Oh, okay. So now you've got me thinking and wondering a curiosity. So with then when you're talking about the air in there so would that be part of this is learning how to breathe properly and where your diaphragm is and better no, posture actually, no actually no not at all oh so what this is all about is about repositioning muscles so if for example um, uh, there's a space in the back of my mouth called this is a really scientific word there's unfortunately no real word that I know of that's like a nice layman's word for it, but it's the palatopharyngeal arc and it is part of the gag reflex. Wow. What it does is when you have a foreign object in your mouth that is making its way back into the throat, it starts to close off and it's closing off to try and prevent it from going down into the esophagus or the trachea. Um, but we can control that muscle voluntarily as well. And so right now, my palatal pharyngeal arc is super constricted. It's basically as if my gag reflex were active. And because of that, it's reducing the amount of space that the air has within my mouth. It's, pro it's producing that brighter tone because there's now less resonating space. If I open it back up, then it starts to sound more like this. So my larynx is still super high, but because I've opened that area up, it darkens the tone. Now, yeah. next, if I start to lower my larynx, it has darkened the tone significantly because it opens up a ton of space within my vocal tract. 
and next I'll move my tongue around a little bit, and now it's it's increased even more. I've pulled my tongue further back, and now it's it's darkened it even further. So it's really all just about redefining where you set your muscles. It's it's not really so much about breath control or anything. Breath control okay. does, you know, for singing have a, a bit of a component, but for talking less so. Okay. So no help with your posture and your better breathing. <laughs> it's just your voice and the muscles in there. Okay. Got Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So is there a lot of homework then for your students? There's a decent amount, you know, it's an interesting sort of field in that I, like homework isn't really homework, if that makes sense. It is, but it isn't because voice is, sorry, voice crack, because voice is such an, you know, integral part of who we are. It's something we use constantly every day. It's like, you're never not talking, right? Right. Because of that. Um, the best way to practice is to just kind of make it routine. Um, so I don't really have homework in the sense of like saying, okay, you need to practice for 10, 15 minutes twice a week or every couple days or whatever. Instead, what I usually recommend people do is practice each exercise that I teach them one to two times a day. And that's it. So if we're talking about the whisper siren, for example, a practice for somebody could just be, and that's okay. it they're done that that was their practice for the day so it's it's keeping that practice up not actually yeah. sitting down just incorporating it routinely and whenever exactly. they think about it okay the idea is that i want them to start trying to put it into their lives in a way that feels natural to how speech would be so like if they're just in the shower or just singing along the drive to work in their car they can just slot one of those in real quick and then it's done. They've done it in a nice, safe, private environment. And they've also done it in a space where people generally tend to talk to themselves, right? right. It was not too dissimilar from how they might have already been doing those activities. Cooking is another big one that I usually like to recommend. I know personally, I talk to myself all the time when I'm cooking and be like, okay, I'm going to grab the cumin now and just like put a dash of that in, you know, yeah. it's just a really easy way to try and get used to this idea of practice becoming a bigger part of their life. But it also has some added benefits in that if you're doing a massive chunk of time, if you're doing that 10 to 15 minute session and something goes wrong, if you start to have difficulties with it, some struggles and you start getting self doubts, it can ruin the entire practice happened two minutes in well now you have eight to like 13 minutes left on the clock and you're not going to want to do that mm -hmm. right you're going to want to just call it and you're going to feel guilty you're going to feel a little bit bad you're going to be like why am i not getting this if you're only doing it once or twice a day and you don't get it there's no pressure you know right. you can just look at it and say well today wasn't my day try again tomorrow it, it alleviates so much of that stress and the other benefit is that if you're doing that 10 to 15 minute practice again, it's going to feel like work, right? You're not going to want to yes. keep doing that because it's just, it's so much work. But if you're doing one or two a day and you get on a roll, you're going to want to keep doing it because now you're feeling proud of yourself. It's no longer something you have to do. It's now something you want to do. Right. So do people, your students, do they normally sign up for just once a week or a couple of times a week? How often? 
Yeah, so the minimum that I have allowable is a two-week increment. I usually don't like doing week-to-week -week because I find that there's just not enough time for them to actually, like, have it all soak in and really take it to heart and start working on it. Two weeks is about the bare minimum, I think, for that. And for some clients, I'd recommend even longer, maybe sitting with it for about a month before coming back. And I also don't like to pressure people to come back. I right. like people to try and find this out on their own and come back if they need additional guidance. But I really want to try to empower my students to be able to do this on their own, kind of like I did, but in a more structured setting, in a space that feels more comfortable and less like they're being, you know, just kind of like left blind to, to find their way through. I want them to know that they have me as a safety net to try and fall back on. You know, I answer questions in my email for free all the time. I really want people to be able to be the own champion of their own voice. I guess really the clue is in the name. It's coaching. It's not exactly. teaching. You're directing them. You're giving them some overviews and some hints. You're giving them some instruction, but that's not what you are. You're not actually teaching as, as students. Well, you're coaching. I are you would both? still say I'm teaching because I am okay. teaching a skill to them, but I am True. trying to coach them through it more than I am just trying to be that instructor who tells you how to do it and then leaves. Right. And you know, like if you consider like a university professor, they don't have that time to go through with each individual student. They are a teacher. I do teach, but I also do want to be able to be there to support people in a way that a coach can. So it's, it's really about trying to, you know, like I say, empower, but also know that I'm there as a support if they need me. But it is still about teaching the skill so that they know exactly how to do it, how to do it safely, because there are some risks to doing this kind of work. So it's, you know, it's a bit of a balance between the two. Right. Perfect. Mm -hmm. We will post information in the text part that accompanies this, but do you have any other social medias that channels that people can reach out to you on, Jess? I've actually got a couple, yeah. So I've got a Facebook account that's at my trans voice coach. I have a YouTube channel as well. Very long, clunky URL. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, you might want to, you know, go and read through the text article that accompanies it. And okay. I also just launched a TikTok today. So that's <laughs> at trans voice coach. I've got a couple personal links too. If you want to follow me on some of my other stuff I do, my Instagram is at the Jessifer. That's the J-E-S-S-A-F-U-R. And my YouTube account is youtube.com slash C slash Jessifer. You can probably find me if you just search Jessifer as well. On that channel, I post videos about trans voice. I post some of my own music and I post, you know, just some memes, parodies. Uh, oh, and pedal building, guitar pedal building and modification videos. It's a massive hodgepodge of content, but if you're looking to see what else I do, that is probably the best spot to go for it. Also, something in my personal life that I just wanted to mention is that I did also just launch a GoFundMe yesterday, actually. One would think that after a few shows, I would have everything under control and I'd have this podcasting thing under my belt. Not quite the case this week. With apologies, the final part of my chat with Jess has disappeared. I'm going to blame the summer gremlins or the summer heat, something. Anyway, apologies to Jess that uh, we didn't get that on, but we will have her back in the future. So thank you very much to Jess for coming on, for talking about this really interesting service that's now available in our community. And 
Thank you, dear listeners, for your patience while I try and figure out this podcasting thing. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of Amazing Places. With gratitude for our guests and listeners, I'm Michelle Seeley. Thanks for listening.